This is Rob Long with Martini Shot for The Ankler. I went to see Harry Styles at Madison Square Garden this week, and fine, go ahead and judge me, I don't care. I once saw Harry Styles in person at the Surf Club restaurant in Miami Beach, and of course he fit right in because most of the other people there were also wearing pearls, although most of them were elderly Jewish ladies. But still, I was impressed that at the end of his meal, as he was leaving the nearly empty, except for my table restaurant, he thanked the staff and the cooks and the busboys, and he posed for a million photos and was, in general, gracious and polite, so much so that some elderly person watching the scene was moved to say a little too loudly, He is a very nice young man. Okay, that person was me, and it was too loud because Harry Styles turned in my direction with a quizzical smile, and he gave a half wave, and then he hurried out because things had clearly gotten weird. But his show in Madison Square Garden was fantastic. He starts his show right on the dot, sings the hits, stops after two songs to say hello to the audience, and he says, and this is nearly verbatim, we are here to entertain you. If you have half as much fun as we are, we're happy. And then he sings some more of the hits. He stops and does some funny improvisations with the crowd. He sings the rest of his album, wraps it all up by 1030, because remember, for most of the crowd, it's a school night. But in short, he's a very nice young man. And in addition, he is also a show business professional. And these days, those are kind of hard to find. Years ago, I was working on a show and we were filming a short scene, tag really, in an airplane. The main character had been complaining for the entire episode about his bad luck, especially on flights, because he always was seated in the middle seat between a crying baby and a really fat person. There's probably a nicer way to say that, but there isn't a funnier way to say that, so that's why I'm saying it like that. So the scene is simple, one-shot tag, the main guy in the middle seat with a crying baby and a fat person, and the first assistant director, who is the person on a set tasked with hiring non-speaking roles, promised us he'd deliver a crying baby extra and a fat person extra. But when we shot the scene the next day, though, the crying baby was fine, but the fat extra just wasn't really even close to fat enough for the joke to work, I mean. I mean, we needed a really, really fat person, not just a plump extra. And now here's where we start talking about show business professionals. Because as it happened, one of the production crew members was, in fact, a hugely fat person, a really, really, really fat person, a make-the-joke-work fat person. So one of us had to approach this person and gingerly ask if maybe, like... You know, it was going to be awkward and potentially enormously offensive and maybe even legally actionable, but it would also save the joke. So one of us, not me, actually, I know what you're thinking, but not me, went over to where the crew member was standing and started a careful conversation, something like, uh, you know, you, you see that extra, the first AD hired? A silent nod. Um, you know, do you, do you see the problem? The crew member nodded again. It's just that, and then the crew member held up a hand and said, I'll do it. Just give me a line so I can get into SAG. Deal. We added a line, which of course we cut later, but it didn't matter to the crew member. The point is, we filmed it, we cut a SAG-eligible check, we got a funnier joke with a much fatter person, and that person was a professional in show business. And it matters for some reason what you call this enterprise a lot of us are in. About a week after I started working as a TV writer, a guy who had been in the business for a while was telling me a few stories from his career, and he wound up this way. He said, I've got a million stories like that because I've spent 20 years in show business. 
show business. That's what he called it. Of course, I, at the time, was a 24-year-old Yale graduate. I was an English major. I wrote a paper called Naming and Renaming, Identity and Unveiling in Spencer. So obviously, I didn't call it show business, which sounds very plaid jacket and William Frawley and variety show. I was a writer in the entertainment industry, which sounds almost like a real job when you say it right. I can't be in show business, I thought to myself, because I can't tap dance or tell jokes. And there's something sort of tacky about the whole idea of show business. And as I said, I once wrote a paper called Naming and Renaming Identity and Unveiling in Spencer. So when people asked what I did, I said, I'm a writer in the entertainment industry. Instead of, I'm in show business, which is a lot more truthful. I think one of the problems right now in show business is that nobody admits that they're in show business. They think they're in some other kind of business, some other kind of consumer product business that you can market test and figure out. People will tell you they want a cheesier crust, so you stick some cheese in the crust and you sell that. People will tell you they want aloe in their baby wipes and you squirt some aloe on the baby wipe and you put a thing in the box that says, now, with aloe. Saying you're in the entertainment industry sounds like you're saying you know something, which you do not because you're in show business, actually, where it's hard to know anything or predict anything with any real accuracy. Show business sounds ad hoc and made up and kind of grubby. I always picture a cigar box full of cash for some reason, and it has a great leveling power because it refers to everything and everyone who puts on a little play or bangs on an instrument or talks into a microphone for money. Lars von Trier is in show business, and so is Ryan Seacrest, and so is Clint Eastwood, and so is Kesha, and so is Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu, so is Tucker Carlson, so is Arcade Fire, and so are the real housewives, and let's not pretend they're all not. Because when we pretend they're all not, when we pretend that there's a difference between doing it for money and doing it for artistic vision and also money, I think we suddenly end up in the entertainment industry, which just makes us sound pompous and smart and better somehow than our customers, who have a pretty elastic idea of what entertainment means. It means YouTube and The Bachelor and Lord of the Rings and Chopped and The Crown and Family Guy and Hulu. Our customers, they want show business. And we're giving them entertainment industry. But don't take my word for it. If you're in show business, the next time you're tempted to say entertainment industry, just substitute show business and watch the faces of the people you're talking to. They'll probably look a little like mine did years ago when I heard someone use those words to describe my job, kind of baffled and discomfited and slightly worried, which are very good places to start, actually, if you want to make it big in show business. Harry Styles, it's fair to say, has made it very big in show business. I mean, he makes arty movies, too, I hear. But he also knows how to deliver 90 minutes of entertaining show business razzle like Elvis or Sammy Davis Jr. Nothing wrong with that. The heavy crew member delivered a level of dispassionate, professional show business work ethic that was, as they say, win-win, because some performers are just born with it. Now, Sometimes when you're writing a script or working on a TV show, you just can't avoid putting a baby in a scene. Maybe it's a show about new parents. Maybe it's a maternity ward scene. doesn't matter. Sometimes you actually have to show a baby moving around on camera, and you can't just wrap a small turkey in a blanket and say, the baby's sleeping and get away with it. The trouble is hiring a baby is like hiring any other kind of actor, a lot like it, frankly, when you think of the noise and the smell. But unlike any other actor, babies and children are regulated. Something about child labor laws, which means you can't just keep a baby under hot studio lights until you get the exact right expression. You have to let the baby rest or something. Or you just switch out one baby for another baby, which is why local maternity hospitals often notify baby talent agents. And here I mean agents who represent babies, not agents who are physically or emotionally immature, which would be pointless as well as redundant, and alerts them when triplets or quintuplets are born. 
You see, if you have to hire one baby, you really have to hire two or more babies. That is, if you want to wrap production in a reasonable amount of time without getting charged with baby actor abuse. Again, here I mean actors who are actual babies, not... Well, you understand. It's, of course, a fantasy of a lot of people who work in the entertainment business to be able to simply rotate out a certain actor and rotate in an identical, well-rested version with a better attitude whenever you need to. The whole problem with show business in the first place is that the kind of people who are drawn to it are often like baby actors themselves. Moody, mercurial, hard to reason with, hungry, preverbal, incontinent, but nonetheless just incredibly adorable. So you need to keep them happy and ready to work. So a couple of years ago, I was working on a show, and for some reason now buried, we decided we needed a baby in it. I mean, there were scenes and scenes of baby walking and baby feeding and baby close-ups. We even, in a fit of insanity, gave the baby the big act break moment. I mean, crazy, right? Well, we didn't know. We'd never really worked with a baby before. So when the studio lawyer sat us down to go over the rules of working with infants, it became instantly clear that what was supposed to be a half-hour show shot in one night was about to become a half-hour show shot over the course of a calendar year. Because, you know, a baby's skin is sensitive, so they can only be under the lights for a few minutes at a time. And then apparently they need to sleep and eat and be held. So unless we could source two sets of quintuplets, we were in trouble. On the page, obviously, everything looks fine. You never think that when you write the line, the baby smiles, then vomits, that, you know, you're going to have to figure out a way to make that happen. Within, it goes without saying, the bounds of common decency and the state of California Child Protection Code, which, by the way, are not the same thing. So what to do? Robot babies, what? After a long talk with the studio lawyers and production staff, we discovered that while it was impossible to shoot our show with a live baby, no matter how many of them we had stacked up like cordwood ready to go, it would be a cinch with a robot baby, which someone has actually invented with lifelike movements and perfect skin tone and a mouth that moves and smiles and spits up when you press the button on the box that connects to the baby at the end of a long translucent cord. I mean, I know what it sounds like, but trust me, it's an amazing robot baby. It really looks... Really looks so real. So let's hire the robot baby, we said. We can't afford it, the studio said. The robot baby's maker, you see, knows exactly how valuable that property is and has priced it accordingly. So we settled on a baby robot baby hybrid. We pre shot some of the scenes with a real baby, which is cheaper but more complicated, and did the rest with the robot baby, which we only rented for a few hours. Okay, here's where the show business professional comes in. I could swear that the real baby saw the robot baby and quickly figured out the complicated economics of the situation and knew that he had better really sell that act break or it would be an all-robot baby situation. Real baby was a little bit scared and so really delivered the act break for us. And that is a solution that probably works in life, too. But also, it's part of the same practical, clear-eyed attitude that makes that nice young man, Harry Styles, thank everyone in the restaurant, makes the enormously overweight crew member jump at the chance to get into SAG, and keeps the real baby on an affordable timetable, and helps keep the business in show business, which these days seems like an important thing. And that's it for this week. Next week, anything but that. For The Ankler, this is Rob Long with Martini Shot.